be starting a new series entitled Biblical Honor. Biblical Honor. And I was reflecting on this this morning. I didn't start preparing this morning. I was reflecting on this this morning. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, I've often referred to the concept of honor and referred to some scriptures on honor. But I haven't taught a whole series on it. I've spoken about honor in the context of marriage. And for various reasons, I haven't taught a whole series on it. Recently, we were talking about exposing false ministries. Do you remember that series? Right? And we spoke about the extreme of honor. We spoke about the extreme of honor. And I believe that in my heart, it is important to teach a biblical perspective. To teach on a biblical perspective of honor. And I realized that unless something is taught, it won't happen. If you want to create culture, one of the things to do is to teach. Amen? In the workplace, if you want a culture of teamwork, you have to teach people this is what a team looks like. Amen? In the home, if we want a culture of servanthood, we have to teach our children this is what servant leadership looks like. Amen? So in a church, if we want to create a culture of honor, we need to teach on honor. And I'll be teaching on this subject for the next couple of weeks, and I'm sure you will be blessed. Amen? Are you expectant? The definition of biblical honor, it's the value and weight willingly assigned to something or someone. That is so powerful. The value and weight that we willingly assign to something or someone. And what I love about this biblical definition of honor is that when you look in scripture, it's actually a word that speaks of the price of something. So if you want to know, if you, if you come to me and you say, Paul, and I hope you don't ask this, but if you come to me and you say, Paul, what's the value of this jacket that you are wearing? You want to know, what's the price? How much did it cost you? Amen? So I can also, in the same way, come to you and say to you, what is the value of your wife to you, husbands? Wives, what is the value of your husband to you? Members of a congregation, what is the value that you willingly assign to your pastors? That's to do with honor. Amen? How much you honor something. And I want to say that honor is very behavioral. If you truly honor someone or something, it is outworked in what you do. Amen? So there are things that we do toward people that demonstrate honor. And there are other things that we do that demonstrate dishonor. Amen. So it's the value and weight willingly assigned to something or someone. And I love that word willingly. I love that word willingly. So in other words, true honor is is done on a voluntary basis. True honor is done voluntarily. Amen. So my question to you is what price do you put on your marriage? What price do you put on your pastor? What price do you put on your prayer life? What, what price do you put on parenting your children? How much do you honor that institution or family? Amen? I want to share with you this morning a number of things that the Bible says about honor. And then next week I'm going to go deep into who, to whom should our honor be directed? Who should we honor? There are many different people we're called to honor in scripture. Okay? And then after that, I want to show you different ways of demonstrating honor. Amen. Okay, 
So number one, we are called to create a culture of honor. Your culture is your values, your norms, and your beliefs. That's what culture is. Culture is basically the way things are done around here. It's not something that happens once in a while. It's the norm. So we want to create a culture of honor in this church. Amen? Okay, how do we do that? Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. I'm reading from the NASB. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Isn't that such a powerful scripture? This is one of the one another's. You know, there are a whole lot of one another's. Love one another. Submit, therefore, one to another. Right? There's also give preference to one another in honor. Imagine you just taught your kids this. If your kids have got the same amount of testosterone as my boys do, you'll know that this is a necessary thing to teach because often it's about beating someone else to something, right? If they want the passenger seat, no, I was first, no, I was first, no, I was first. But the scripture here says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Let's just press pause there. Imagine there was a culture of that here. We see it in pockets. Imagine there was a culture where we are devoted to one another in brotherly love. What would your life look like? Then it goes on to say, give preference to one another in honor. There's an interesting story about a lady who was pregnant. And while she was pregnant, she prayed strong prayers. And one of her prayers was, Lord, may my kids come out being such gentlemen. She had two boys in her womb, right? Twins. And then when it was their due date, these kids were not coming out. She kept praying, Lord, you know, I'm still believing you that these will be such gentlemen. Lord, I'm claiming it. They will be such gentlemen. A day went by, two days, three days, one week. What's going on here? And then when they opened her up, they saw like what the twins were doing to each other. Like, no, 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 you go first. No, you go. No, 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 you go first. No, 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 you go. No, 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 you go. No, I insist you go first. It's on. Her prayers had worked. Amen. But just imagine in our house, in, in, in this household of faith, just imagine in the church, if we had such a culture of honor, where we honored one another, where we preferred one another, what would life look like? What would your family look like? What would your workplace, the guys in your team, what would that look like if we had this culture of preferring one another? I like it also in the King James Version. It says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. Isn't that a powerful word? Powerful phrase, kindly affectionate. Ooh. Has anyone ever said that to you? Oh, Tindai, I love the way you're so kindly affectionate. This is now confusing because both Tendai's are sitting quite near each other. Just claim it. Both of you, just, you just receive it. All right? Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. What would happen to your marriage if in honor you preferred one another? Oh, no, my love, it's fine. Let me take the kids. You just have some space. Let me take the kids today. In honor, prefer one another. Amen? In the Holman Bible, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. And by the way, these are the one another's. So we're not yet talking about double honor. We're not yet talking about, you know, honoring people who are older than you or younger than you or your parents. We're just talking about Christian culture with everyone around you. 
Amen. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know what? If we had a culture of that, the moment someone comes in, walks through that door for the first time, we won't be leaving it up to the ushers to honor our first-time guests. We won't be leaving it up to the people who are part of our welcome ministry in the green corner. Everyone would be carrying this culture of we prefer these people. We honor them. We hold them in high esteem. That's one of the meanings of the word honor. To hold someone in high esteem. We'll have a culture of that. Amen? I think this is so powerful. Can I read it in the ISV, the International Standard Version? Be devoted to each other with mutual affection. I love that word mutual. In other words, it's not a one-way thing. It's not like honor is just going in one direction. Amen? That's the word mutual. The affection is mutual. I love you and you love me. I give you hugs and you also hug me back. Worst thing is when you try and hug someone and they're not hugging you back. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, in church and you want to give someone a proper nice squeeze, a proper like hug, family affection. And they kind of like give you, you know, it's like, it's like they're a rugby player about to like go into uh, the scrum or something. No. It, the affection is mutual. Be devoted to each other with mutual affection. And look at this. It says, excel at showing respect for each other. So in other words, when we create a culture of honor, we're not just honoring one another, but we're excelling at it. We're good at it. Amen? Let this go into your spirit and ask the Lord to help you to be this. Amen? So number one, we are called to create a culture of honor. Are we in agreement, church? Number two, we are called to give special honor Say to the person next to you, special honor to those doing the Lord's work well. Do you know some people who are doing the Lord's work well? Do you know some people who are doing the Lord's work well? The Bible calls us to give them a special type of honor. And let me unpack the scriptures. Philippians 2 verse 28 to 30. I mean, yes, that's right. Okay. It says here, Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, is talking about Epaphroditus, okay? So that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. <laughs> There's certain things we have to do to have less anxiety, amen? Verse 29, so then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. It's talking about this Epaphroditus guy. What is it going to say? It says, and honor people like him. So can you see there's the honor we give one another, but then it's basically saying, honor people like this guy. Well, why should we honor him? Why should we give him a special honor? Let's unpack it further. It gives the reason. Verse 30, it says, because he almost died for the work of Christ. Do you know people who are making sacrifices for the kingdom of God? Do you know people who have almost died for the work of Christ. Amen? The Bible says, honor people like that. You know what our problem is today? We live in a society where we are giving honor to the wrong people. We live in a society where we are dishonoring the people we're supposed to honor. Right? And then we are giving so much honor to people who we shouldn't actually be honoring. 
So you have dodgy musicians who've got suspects lifestyles. And your kids have their posters in their rooms. And your kids are memorizing their songs. They're putting so much weight to the lyrics of that dodgy musician. But you ask them, what did you learn at school today? They've dishonored their teachers. What did you learn in church or at youth group? They can't remember. But they've memorized the lyrics of that dubious musician. We're giving honor to people who we shouldn't be honoring. And we're dishonoring those who we should be honoring. Amen? And it's interesting because when you unpack this further, it says, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And I like the word that is used for honor here. It's the Greek word entimos, which means precious, honorable in rank, and valued highly. Precious, honorable in rank, and valued highly. What type of person? People who are working well for the Lord and sacrificing for the kingdom. Can I hear an amen? Okay. And then a scripture many of you would be familiar with. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. It says, elders who lead effectively are worthy of double honor. Now remember, we've got a culture of honor. The Bible speaks of honoring one another. And on that platform and on that basis, we then give double honor to those who lead effectively. Amen? The problem with a lot of churches, the problem with, with us in the kingdom of God, is we're trying to give double honor, but it's not happening in a culture of honor. It's not happening in a culture where we're already honoring everyone. Are you following me this morning? So you find people trying to honor this man of God or double honor, triple honor this man of God, but are very dishonoring to their spouses, but are very dishonoring to one another. Have you ever been in those environments where sometimes you go to certain places? It happens even with organizations. You pitch up there and you treat it very rudely by the PA or the secretary or the junior managers. But the moment their big boss walks past, it's like they start worshiping the person. It means they're trying to give someone triple honor, but they aren't in an environment or a culture where they're giving one another honor. Is everyone following this morning? We only give double honor in a culture of honor. Amen. Okay? Elders who lead effectively are worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Do you know people who are working hard at preaching and teaching? Amen? The Bible here says they're worthy of double honor. Verse 18. For the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker is worthy of his wages. So the context here is actually financial, by the way. The context here is financial, and people don't like talking about it, and people have been extreme on some of these things. But the context here is primarily financial. In the, I like it in the New Living Translation. It actually says, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. Okay? Now, in this particular church, for various reasons, the Lord had spoken to me differently around this. I was a bit like Paul the Apostle, you know, where he would carry on and he would do his 
his own stuff, etc. Right? So I don't take an income from this particular church. Okay, maybe that will change in the future. But the point I'm making is we want to create a culture where we are truly honoring. And it's not just about giving someone a salary. It's also about when you've been blessed, if you've had a meeting, it could be a youth meeting, it could be a prayer meeting, and just saying, sure, I've seen how Pastor Taffy, or Pastor this one, or Pastor that one, I've seen how they've soldiered on, right, for a long time. Pastor Trace, whoever it may be, Pastor Wimbai, Pastor Michael, when he came and he preached here. It's that mindset that says, how can we give Pastor Michael double honor when he comes and he preaches here? My heart and desire is that we honor our own pastors and not just the people from across the road or the people we watch on television. Amen? If we want to create a culture of honor, we can't be familiar with the pastors in our midst. Amen? It's that mindset that just says, you know what, how can I bless this person? What are their needs? What can I do? That's a culture of honor. And you see, the sad thing is because this has been abused so much, some pastors like myself, we then end up not teaching on some of these things because we're like, eh, we, don't want to, we don't want people to think we're those dodgy guys who want something from people. But the Lord convicted me of this, that you know what? You're robbing your people from the blessing of God that will come upon their lives if you don't teach on this. Are you hearing me this morning? Okay. Number three. Familiarity and offense erode a culture of honor. The spirit of familiarity and offense will erode the culture of honor. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 to 57, it says, Isn't this the carpenter's son? So Jesus was ministering in his own hometown. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? It's almost like, just because we know you, it disqualifies you from greatness. Hey? Can you see the logic here? They're like, we know this guy. He's from our hood. We even know all the names of his brothers. Right? We know his dad. We know his mom. Right? Aren't all his sisters with us? It's almost like for someone to be great... They have to be far off somewhere in the distance. You can't have greatness within you. Can't have greatness among you. Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? What happened? It says, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and in his own household. We had a family reunion a few years ago, and I was speaking at it, which was down in Port Elizabeth, and one of the questions I asked my extended family, people had come from all over the world, I said to them, is the world benefiting from your gifts and talents whilst your family is not? Is there any area of your life where the world is benefiting from your gifts and talents while your family is not? And I can be honest with you, that's the case for so many of us. We've got tax consultants here. Think of my labor over there. We've got a lot of accountants here in this place. We've got powerful lawyers in this church. We've got musicians. How many of you want your kids to learn musical instruments? 
We've got guys who are good at teaching kids and patient with them. Amen? Like Mpo. Where's Mpo? I saw him coming back in. Sometimes after work, yeah, there he is. You know, we've got, we've got this treasure here in our midst. How many of you are new moms? I always say to people, my wife is a pharmacist by profession. Her sisters will phone her, asking, what do we do with the kids with this? What about this? Is this medicine okay? What about this and so on? She wears multiple hats. She's a personal trainer. How many of you want to lose weight? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. We'll just check out. We know. We'll just check out. <laughs> There's some of you in denial. <laughs> we'll give you feedback afterwards. <laughs> they, 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 they say... Um, Strong is the new skinny. Amen. We don't have to be skinny. Let's just be strong. How many of you want to become stronger? Okay. The point I'm making is we've got such treasure in our midst. Amen. But very often we become familiar with it. And when you become familiar with something, very often you're offended by it. Do you know when you're offended by the, fam by the familiar? It's when the person is talking about their greatness and what they've accomplished. And you're offended by that because you're like, how can they say that? I went to junior school with them. Amen? I'm telling you now, the spirit of familiarity kills honor. And here's what happens. You rob yourself of the blessing. The Bible says, he who receives a prophet as a prophet, receives a prophet's reward. What's a prophet's, re prophet's reward? One of the things about a prophet's reward, it's the benefits of their prophetic ministry. Amen? Very often, it's actually the impartation you actually get from that person. You'll only get that which you appreciate and honor. If, how many of you want to become very wealthy? Stop dissing wealthy people. You see a lot of people, they've got big dreams and they say, Pastor, I want to accomplish this. Pastor, I want to accomplish that. I'm saying to them, stop dissing the people who are already where you want to be. This is a, this is a mystery in the kingdom of God. You get what you appreciate. You get what you honor. If you receive a prophet as a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a prophet as only a pastor, you'll receive a pastor's reward. The reward you get is based on how you receive someone. Amen? I've had experiences right now. I've been invited to one of the most influential churches in Nigeria. One of the most influential. They said, can you come and can you speak to two to three thousand of our leaders? It's a massive church. So when they're just talking leaders, they're saying two to three thousand leaders, can you come? And for them, it's just normal. Amen? But when I, do, when I call meet, when we say ministerial equipping and activation time, the same content, how many people pitch up from here, from this church? I've got a, I've got a CFO who was there in one of my sessions recently, CFO of one of the main banks in the country, sitting there listening, drinking in what I'm saying, and I'm speaking for a long, you know, with me, there's no spirit of summary. I'm there going for it. <laughs> And she's there, listening, drinking in. And, I, and it's humbling, because I'm thinking to myself, why is this person listening to me like this? And yet sometimes in the church that I lead, I'll be preaching and I'm seeing someone falling asleep. What's going on? Okay, it hasn't happened recently, okay? <laughs> I remember years ago, I was preaching in a church that we were pastoring, and uh, some, uh, there was a guy, he was a well-known tennis coach, and he was sitting quite near the front. And he was, he was falling asleep. I could see the guy sleeping. So, you know, you're trying to help someone, and I was trying to hint. So I go forward, <laughs> and then I try and preach a bit loudly in front of him, and he's not getting the hint. 
And the funny thing is afterwards, his wife was saying, Pastor, that was such a powerful message. And my husband really enjoyed it. <laughs> I was thinking, mm. <laughs> Anyway. So, so why does it happen that we are celebrated outside, but inside, people don't see it? I'll tell you what it is. It's the spirit of familiarity. Do you catch my heart when I'm saying what I'm saying? I'll be in Manchester in July. I'll be speaking at a church there doing some stuff. And it's amazing. The guy who's, who'll be hosting me in their house, he's a PhD, someone in, in one of the main church, one of the main universities there. Great guy in his 60s. It's like, oh, we're really looking forward to hosting you. You can see they're excited about it. Amen? Why are we honored so much out there, but in our own hometown, people don't see it? Some years ago, I was coaching a, senior ma a city manager of a city. Won't mention which city, but a city we love dearly, right? This is a guy with 28,000 people reporting to him. I was coaching him. The guy was blown away. The guy was saying to me, I just wish I had met you when I was installed into this office. I wish I knew you from way back. Amen? I'm talking about myself, but I'm sure you've got your own stories. Amen? One of the guys who's a vice president of a particular nation, I taught him leadership one-on-one. -on -one. He was doing one of my courses. One-on-one -on -one leadership lessons with this guy. The guy became vice president of a country. Recently, I got a WhatsApp from a particular lady and she said to me, I'd done stuff for her company before, one of her companies, and she, she WhatsApped me and she said, my husband has become prime minister. I would like you to meet him, please. Are you hearing me? So I know who I am and I know what I carry out there. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes in this church, when we're about to hold certain functions, I remember a business seminar we did, only a handful of people pitched up. But I'm saying to myself, are they not seeing what I'm seeing? Amen? I was speaking at a women's academy and a guy pitches up, a guy from Nigeria pitches up after me and he's about to speak. But he hears the final bit, just the last few minutes of my talk. His assistant comes to me and he says, um, excuse me, yeah, my boss wants all your books. Where can we get stock? He wants to buy every copy of your each of your books. Where do we get stock? Hungry for knowledge. Amen? Some of you, if I say, oh, there's a book on humility that I did some time back, you won't even know that I've done a book on humility. But you're in this church. Are you catching my heart? I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm, the Lord said to me, teach the people this for their own sake. Amen? Familiarity and offense erode a culture of honor. Number four, honor is communicated through giving your best. You communicate honor through giving your best. In Malachi chapter one, verse six to eight, we hear the Lord speaking. This is the Lord. He says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father... Where is the honor due me? This is God speaking. So God values honor. He's not egotistical. He's basically saying, you guys, there's no kingdom order here. If I'm your father, where's the honor that's due to me? That's what God is saying. 
If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. This is so powerful. You see, you can see how God is feeling here. He also has emotions, by the way. We were created in God's image. And because we've got emotions, we know that he's also got emotions. He feels a certain way. Just do a study of scripture where you go into the emotions of God. That'll be a powerful study, hey? Come on, how many of you are teachers of the word? That's juicy. Ooh, the emotions of God. <laughs> People say, oh, God isn't mad at you. God doesn't get angry. Go and read your Bible. Amen. <laughs> there are many times where God was angry about certain things. Righteous anger, obviously. Right? And I find it interesting that he compares how they would treat their governors to how they're treating him. You know what we go through as pastors? We think to ourselves, you know what? Some people in congregations, they're so excellent in the workplace. Their PowerPoint presentations, they rehearse, rehearse, triple rehearse, quadruple rehearse. You know, everything is excellent at work. The moment they come into church, they're just winging everything. They're just winging it. You know what I'm talking about. If the shoe fits, please wear it, right? Where that presentation you've got due for Monday at work, you bunk church because of that presentation. But when we ask you to do something in church, you are winging it. You are 20 minutes late, relaxed. That's the same as offering God those blind animals. Amen? And I love the fact that God makes a comparison. He says, would you do that for your governor? Amen? I prepare way more for sermons in a church context than I do for my corporate talks. Because the honor and the weight I put on this is more than what I put on that. Amen? I'm paid to do all of that and so on. But the honor and weight I put on, why? This is the word of God that I'm preaching. It's a higher level. I'm not saying God doesn't use me in the other environment. But what I'm saying is this is a higher level. That's the value I place on the word of God. Amen? For many of you, it's the other way around. Let's be honest now. I see some people, ah, pastor, I'm getting a promotion at work. Ah, pastor, I got this award at work. Hey, pastor. And sometimes when people are sharing those testimonies, I'm thinking, why can't you up your game in the church context? I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes I'll be thinking that. I'm not thinking of anyone right now, okay? So, but I know in my history as a pastor, sometimes I wonder. Hey, pastor, guess what they said? Look at this award I got from work. Guess what they said? Yeah, then I got this, then I got this. And I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't some of that anointing that seems to happen out there, why doesn't it also happen here? Amen? When you truly honor someone or something, it manifests behaviorally in you giving your best. Amen? Number five, honor can be communicated through thanksgiving and sacrificial giving. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Amen? 
I won't teach you to do stuff that I'm not willing to do myself. I know what it's like when cash is tight and then it finally starts to come in. And then you're like, okay, I know I need to tithe. I also go through it where it's like, okay, but yeah, you have to. Why? Honor God. Honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce. Amen. We demonstrate our honor to God. Our honor of God. Our honor toward him. In our giving to him. Amen. Here's the thing. You cannot separate honor from giving. I know many of us want to sort of like find other means. Find other ways. You know, avoid certain scriptures. But I've learned it's much better to be a giver. Amen. I've lived a life as a Christian, as a non-tither, and then I've lived a life as a Christian, as a tither. I would rather be a tither. Amen. I like Psalm 50 verse 2. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Isn't that powerful? He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Why is it a sacrifice? Sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't feel like praising. Sometimes you don't feel like saying, God, I'm thanking you in advance for this. Sometimes it's easier to just watch a soccer match. Even though it's boring and your team isn't playing well. Sometimes it's easier just doing that. Amen? We honor him when we do this. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. So powerful. Just meditate on some of these scriptures. And let me just say something. The sacrificial offering must be accompanied by a godly lifestyle. Amen. The sacrificial offering must be accompanied by a godly lifestyle. You can't offer a sacrificial offering, but then your lifestyle is dishonoring to God. The two have to work hand in hand. There has to be alignment. Amen? Number six. You honor God when you are gracious to his creation. You honor God when you are gracious to his creation. Proverbs 14 verse 31. So powerful. It says, he who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. But he who is gracious to the needy honors him. He who is gracious to the needy honors him. So when we help El Roy baby home, like what Pastor Tuffy was talking about, we are honoring God. Because those abandoned babies are part of his creation. Amen? It doesn't matter what the context of your conception was. God is the one who's the giver of life. Amen? So maybe someone is pregnant out of wedlock, right? But they then have the baby. That baby... That baby, and before the baby is born, by the way, that baby is precious to the Lord. Amen? That baby is precious to the Lord. God is the giver of life. It doesn't matter what the context was. Amen? Let's not punish kids who are born so-called illegitimately. God, legitimate, God gives them legitimacy. Amen? Because he gives them life. And we honor God when we're gracious toward his creation. That's why when my kids diss each other, I like to remind them, this is someone who's created in the image of God. So when you diss another person, 
you're dishonoring that person's creator. If I draw a picture, and because I'm not good at art, and you diss my artwork, who are you really dissing? Can my artwork respond? Can my artwork jump out, leap off the, page, the, 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 the picture, and say, stop dissing me, come on, I'm a good color. I'm green and blue, and it can't. Who are you dissing? The creator. When we diss presidents, I don't know why people have got this thing, they like just disrespecting presidents of nations. I'm going to unpack it next week when we talk about who we should give honor to. I don't think it's godly. I don't think it's biblical. Amen? doesn't matter who the president is. We like to make fun of them and we like to mock them. And we don't realize that there's, there are consequences to what you mock. Amen? We should use humor to build up, not to tear down. Just have that as a guideline. How many of you like cracking jokes? Many people in this room, use your sense of humor to build up, not to tear down. Because when you tear down another human being, you are dishonoring their creator. Amen. I love that. Proverbs 14, 31. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. You know what is happening in this country with the apartheid system? When you oppress the poor and the marginalized, you're taunting their maker. Amen? There's a lot of oppression in many countries, and it's not just racially. It's not just racial. Amen? When you don't pay your workers well, when you talk down at your domestic helpers, you're taunting their maker. The Bible here says, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. Be very careful how you treat people who are poor and marginalized. It's easy to be quick to say, why doesn't he get a job? Until you yourself become jobless and you realize it's not that easy. Why doesn't he just use his, his creative skills to make money? Until one day you realize that you're trying to use your creative skills to make money, but there's no business. Are you hearing me? What does it mean when it says, be gracious to the needy? Show them mercy. Show them kindness. I'm not saying you must always give to them. Because there's some people who are lazy. But in your heart, be careful of the judgments that you make. A lot of times we make judgments in self-righteousness. And we end up cursed. I know Paul, but Christians can't be cursed. You're uncursable as a Christian. Let me tell you something. You can have whatever you want. When you are in Christ, you are uncursable. But when you do things of the kingdom of darkness, you experience the consequences. And you can do unrighteous deeds as a Christian. And you give the enemy a foothold. The Bible tells us that a curse without a cause cannot alight. It cannot settle on you. So don't give the enemy a cause to mess you around. Amen? Number seven, true honor must come from the heart. True honor must come from the heart. Don't get me a birthday present in a couple of months. Don't get me a... I'm not, I, 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 won't be, I won't actually be around on my birthday. My, I'll be, my birthday will be on the Saturday, the 7th of September. My wife will be competing in Nice, in the south of France, in world champs. 
That's where I'll be. All right? Um, okay, I'm just telling you, okay? But the point I'm making is, the point I'm making is, don't get me a birthday present because of what I'm preaching today and because you feel forced or coerced. Because true honor is something that we willingly assign. Amen? I'm not saying what I'm saying. I'm not pre- I don't need anything from you. You get what I'm saying? I- I'm not needy that way. Just because it's Father's Day next weekend, I'm not hinting. In a church we used to pastor, in a church we used to pastor, when, on Father's Day, I was taking suits home. I was taking, seriously, I'm not hinting. I'm not hinting. I'm saying I don't need anything from you. But I'm trying to paint a picture because a lot of us are very honoring to many other people there. But in our local churches, to our pastors, we're not. Let's be honest now. Let's, let's be honest. Some of you are. Some of you haven't been taught this. You haven't thought about it. Amen? Honor is not based on, when you give someone something, it's not based on what they have or don't have. Oh, Pastor Trace has always got nice outfits. She always looks really nice. There's nothing we can give her. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> Amen? The Lord told me, I must teach this. Because if we don't teach it, we don't create a culture of it. And I'm robbing you if I don't teach on these things. Thanks for that loud Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? True honor must come from the heart. Isaiah 29 verse 13 to 14 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Someone can give you so many titles. Apostle, prophet, teacher, bishop, arch, arch, bishop, major, 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 bishop. They can give you... They can give you all sorts of titles with their lips, but their hearts far. We can sing so-called songs of worship with our lips, but God looks at the heart. Amen? When you have a culture of honor, it must come from the heart, not just lip service. We're not big on titles. Do you know why we're not big on titles? Because Jesus wasn't big on titles. Just go and read what, he wasn't big on titles. If people come from other churches and they feel honored by being called A, B, C, D and having a whole sentence, you know, when you call them, a whole paragraph, we can do that because we're honoring them and that's how they feel honored. But the culture in this church, whether you call me Pastor Paul or Paul, is neither here nor there for me. Are you hearing me? It's neither here nor there for me um, because we look at the heart. And God judges based on the heart. You can give people fancy titles, but your heart. Some of the people who honor me the most, they just call me Paul. But in terms of how they relate to me, I feel very honored by them. Then there are other people who've been extremely dishonoring, but they give me a lot of fancy titles. Are you hearing me? The African continent, we get so caught up by titles. And I know that what you call someone There's an element of honor in what you call them. But it only works 
when the heart is aligned to what you're saying. Are you hearing me this morning? This business of using lots of titles when you're referring to someone. But then when they preach a message and you go out and you do the exact opposite, that's dishonoring. Amen? True honor comes from the heart. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. In other words, their consequences. What we're talking about here is flattery. You know that it's possible to flatter God. Where we're just saying nice things about him, but then we don't live out his commands. God looks at it. The scripture talks about it being a stench in his nostrils. And he says, you guys, your worship and your sacrifices, they're a stench in my nostrils. Why? Because you're worshiping with your lips, not from your heart. Amen. Number eight. There are things that unlock honor for you personally. How many of you want to be honored? How many of you want to be honored in, in society? You want your name to be known in the world. You want to be a person of renown. There's nothing wrong with that. How many of you want to be great? When Jesus is not against your greatness, he actually gives you a key. He says, those of you who want to be great, just be the servant. He gives us keys to greatness. So I want to show you the things that unlock honor for you personally. Okay? This is, just, this is point number eight, but it's got sub points. And I've listed eight things here that can unlock honor for you. You want to hear them? Right. The first one, honoring God unlocks honor for you. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Just meditate on the scripture. I will honor those who honor me. Those who despise me, those who don't honor me, they will be lightly esteemed. What's the key to unlocking honor for yourself if you want God to honor you? Honor him. Remember what Jesus says. He says, I don't receive honor that comes from man. I receive honor from my father. God is calling us to be straightened toward him to say, God, I want you to honor me. That's the key to promotion. Sometimes we get into the flesh and we're looking for honor in the flesh. We want people to honor us. We want people to honor us. I would rather look to God and say, God, may you raise me up. Amen? The next one, doing good will unlock honor for you. We live in a time where the moment we mention that phrase, do good, people think, oh, that's a works mentality. Let me just say this. You're saved by grace through faith. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2. But there are many things when we talk about success in life and effectiveness in life where it's up to you to do certain things to unlock the greatness that you so desire. Amen? It doesn't mean you've got a works mentality. It just means you're not passive. It just means you're not fatalistic about your success in this life. And so I find it interesting because it says here in Romans 2 verse 9 to 11, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. 
of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Glory, honor, and peace. That's why you see some people in your life where you wonder, what happened to this person? They're just quantum leaping everyone. They're just being promoted by God and you can see God's favor. It's linked to some of these scriptures that we are sharing. Amen. The third one is this. Serving Jesus unlocks honor for you. In John chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. What is it going to say? If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. These are powerful scriptures. You can actually do crafted prayers concerning some of these. How many of you are serving God right now? Right? The Bible says, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Isn't that powerful? And that word honor there speaks of valued heavily. Imagine when you are valued highly in the kingdom of God. Hmm. Is it just me getting excited about the word? Number four, humility unlocks honor for you. One of the quickest ways to experience honor from above, honor from God, humility. Proverbs 18 verse 12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. That speaks of pride and arrogance. But humility goes before honor. Do you want to be honored? Be humble. Proverbs 15 verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the, is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. Amen? Next one, Proverbs 29 verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. I love the fact that the word obtain is used there. How many of you know that there are certain spiritual things that you can purchase without money? I'm sharing with you a kingdom mystery now. There are certain spiritual things that you can purchase without money. Humility obtains you honor. Some of you might be saying, I want that breakthrough, but how do I get it? I want that breakthrough. And then you start bribing people. You're using the flesh, the arm of flesh, to be honored. But the Bible here says, humility obtains you honor. Walk in humility and you actually will obtain honor. Amen? Let me say something. There are other scriptures and another occasion we can teach on that that shows you how you can purchase things in the spirit. You see, there are things that Jesus has already done that he's granted to us. He purchased with his blood, but you can obtain them through certain spiritual weapons of righteousness. Humility is a weapon of righteousness. Amen? Many people think that spiritual warfare is just about rebuking demons. It's way more than that. It's about the weapons of righteousness that God has given us. How many of you that love is a force in the spirit realm? Patience is a spiritual force. And sometimes just by being still and being patient, you see breakthrough. God has given you weapons of righteousness and I want to encourage you to use them. Amen? Humility unlocks honor for you. You can obtain things in the spirit through these weapons of righteousness. Humility is a force in the spirit realm. 
Next one. Graciousness unlocks honor for you. Graciousness unlocks honor for you. Proverbs 11 verse 16 says, A gracious woman, a gracious woman. Pastor Taffy, is your wife gracious? Is she a gracious woman? (laughs) Gracious is very gracious, isn't she? A gracious woman attains honor and ruthless men attain riches. It's better to attain honor than riches. How many of you know that with honor will come wealth and riches? Amen? But if you just be a ruthless man and you attain riches, that's all you have and you lose it very quickly. Have you noticed what happens to a lot of thieves? They steal money and no sooner they've stolen it, they lose it. Amen? You're like, wonder, but that guy robbed that bank. But how come we're not seeing like, how come he's still robbing and robbing and robbing? (laughs) Okay? It's like people who win these lotteries. They win the lottery, but what happens to the cash afterwards? A gracious woman attains honor. How many of you ladies in this room want to attain honor? You want to be renowned. Be gracious. Be a gracious woman. Be gracious to your spouses. And all the guys said, Amen. Amen. (laughs) Next one. Receiving correction unlocks honor for you. How many of you are defensive when you're corrected? If you want to be honored by God, receive rebukes when you're rebuked and corrected. Proverbs 13 verse 18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to those who ignore instruction. But the one who accepts rebuke will be honored. The one who accepts rebuke will be honored. What's a rebuke? It's when someone corrects you. And sometimes it's a harsh rebuke. Amen? But it results in honor. I like it in the ISV. It says, poverty and shame are for those who ignore correction. But whoever listens to instruction gains honor. Are you being corrected right now? What's your response? Think of how someone has corrected you recently. What was your response? Your response to correction and rebuke can determine the level that God will honor you. Amen. If you've messed up, it doesn't mean that's the end for you. Rather be a person who accepts rebuke. Many people tend to run away when they're rebuked. I've seen it happening in church. We rebuke them and then they run away. You don't see them. I've seen that pattern. I've seen it over the years, many times. And it's because they've got an orphan spirit. I was speaking on the orphan spirit the other day at the Joburg Church. I'll preach it sometime here. Preach on it sometime. How many of you have ever taken someone into your home who was homeless? What happened when you corrected them? Disappear, right? People who've been fathered well, they understand that a father will rebuke you and correct you because they love you. Amen? I see a lot of people, they mess up. They get into some kind of sin. They fall in sin. And they don't realize that we will still love them. We want to help them. We want to restore them. But sometimes in order to restore, we have to discipline. Amen? And discipline can be painful. I've seen people in this church, you rebuke them, and some some of you won't know what's going on because it happens behind closed doors. 
Then you say, listen, we need to step you down from this ministry. We need you to do this, do this, do this. The ones who yield to that rebuke, you see revival in their lives. But others, they decide, you know what? I want to go somewhere where no one knows me. Where I can start just from a clean slate, where I don't feel embarrassment or shame. I want to encourage you, if you've messed up, come forward and say, this is how I've messed up. And you know what we'll do? When we take you through a process of confession and repentance, it breaks the spirit of shame off you. But if you keep ducking and diving, has the pastor found out yet? What's going to happen to me? Oh, what about this? What about that? The shame will stay over your life. A cloak of shame. Amen? Thanks for raising your hand, you know, saying amen like that. Someone did that, so that's cool. Power of agreement. Amen. Be careful of the orphan spirit. Be very careful of it. It it, it will destroy your destiny. The next one. Listening to your leaders unlocks honor for you. Listening to your leaders will unlock honor for you. Proverbs 27 verse 18. Whoever tends the fig tree shall eat its fruit. So he who patiently and faithfully guards and heeds his master shall be honored. The last one, loyalty unlocks honor for you. Loyalty unlocks honor for you. My wife is smiling because she's a, she's a loyal person. I won't, I won't unpack that, but she's extremely loyal. She's got a service provider. She'll just, she'll feel bad if she wants to change service providers. That's how loyal she is. It gives me hope because I know she'll stick with me like till death to us part. <laughs> Even if I mess up, I know she'll just be there. <laughs> That's the good thing. Even though sometimes I'm the one who says, listen, man, this person isn't cool. Change service providers. Yeah, I just... Even though I've now changed, I've got this guilt about it, you know, because I just feel like I'm not being loyal. (laughs) Praise God. But you know that loyalty unlocks honor for you. In Proverbs 21, verse 21, it says, He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. And let me say something. It's not blind loyalty. It's a loyalty that's mixed with righteousness. That's why it first says, he who pursues righteousness. So the loyalty is in the context of righteousness. Amen? Because there's what we call blind loyalty. You know that person who keeps covering up for the people in their team who are stealing money from the company? That's blind loyalty. You're just showing that you're more loyal to the people reporting to you than you are to your organization. When I teach this in organizations, I talk about how there are levels of loyalty. You're first loyal to God and his principles and his righteousness. Then you are loyal to the organization. What's best for the business? Because you are representing your organization. Then you are loyal to the leaders of that organization. Then you are loyal to your team. Amen? If you are covering up when someone is stealing from the company, it means that you are no longer loyal to God's principles. If you are working for an organization that is doing dodgy stuff, And you can't say, ah, no, 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 I'm leaving this place. I'm going to work elsewhere. It means you become more loyal to your organization and wanting to make money than to God and his principles. Amen? There are levels of loyalty. And it's a powerful tool to have, especially because a lot of us, we, we get conflicted when it comes to loyalty. Amen? 
So those are some keys for you when it comes to unlocking honor for yourself. How many of you will use those? Okay. Pastor Vim does very powerful prayer strategies for us. So you can go onto the website afterwards and you will see there's a prayer strategy for this message. And you can actually pray through this message. Let's make use of these tools. Amen? Okay. Number nine. God is the source of true honor. God is the source of true honor. You see, people can try to honor you, but your heart should be, I do not receive the honor that comes from man. I look to God to raise me up and to honor me. Amen? First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 to 12 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Don't you love that? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion. Similar to Pastor Stewart's message, right? Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Watch this. Both riches and honor come from you. See God as your source of honor. I can preach a powerful message. I don't have to rely on people coming to me after and say, that was a good message, that was a good message, because I'm not seeking the honor that comes from man. I'm seeking the honor that comes from God. Because everyone can come and say, it was a powerful message, thank you very much, but heaven isn't applauding. Amen? We have to understand that riches and honor come from the Lord. So if I want riches and I want honor that come from the Lord, I have to do it his way. I have to find out what are the keys from the kingdom of God that will unlock those riches and those honors for me and my household. Amen? And he says, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Stop trying to manufacture honor for yourself. When I teach on honor, I'm doing it so you get the principles, so that you practice honor. I'm not trying to manufacture honor from myself. Amen? Allow God to do it. And you know that this is applied to Jesus in his priestly ministry. Jesus had a priestly ministry. He was a high priest. In Hebrews 5, Verse 4 to 5, it says, No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but he was called by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. There is an honor that God wants to give you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, it says, He received honor and glory. From God the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. In John 5, verse 41 and verse 44, it says, I do not accept glory from human beings. How can you believe if you accept glory from one another, yet do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. The word that is used there now is the word doxa in the Greek. It's the word dokeo, 
And it basically speaks of opinion, praise, honor, and glory. Friends, as long as we are seeking glory from man, we will cut off the honor and the glory that God wants to impart to us. Isn't that powerful? How much weight do you place on the honor that comes from above? In comparison to the weight that you put onto the honor that comes from man. It's powerful when we have this revelation. Jesus received honor from the Father. Number 10. God can turn your shame into honor. This is so powerful. God can turn your shame into honor. I was going to say, raise your hand if you've experienced shame in your life. The people won't raise their hand. They'll be too ashamed to raise their hand. Right? God can turn your shame into honor. Your current reality is not fixed. Things can change. Say to the person next to you, things can change. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 19 to 20. says, Behold, I'm going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And I will turn their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. This is a promise. I will turn your shame into praise and renown in all the earth. How many of you want to be known in all the earth? When I want my books to sell the world over, when I want to be known globally, I can stand on these scriptures. This morning I was reading Isaiah 60, where it says that the wealth of the nations will come to you. I was saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that wealth will come to me through the things that I do, but not just from this nation, but the wealth of the nations will come to me. Amen? God can turn your shame into renown. Do you believe that? I believe it. I believe that life is not fixed. Things can change. Just because you are born on the wrong side of the railway track, it doesn't mean that you can't be catapulted to greatness today. Amen. Life is not fixed. Please say to the person next to you, life is just not fixed. Look what it goes on to say. It says, in, it says, at that time, I will bring you in, even at the time when I gather you together. Indeed, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. How many of you need fortunes to be restored to you? Oh, hey guys, what have you been going through? <laughs> Almost the whole church. What's happening to us, eh? Is it the devil? Yo, I didn't expect that many hands to go up. <laughs> How many of you need fortunes restored to you? Yo, hey, what's the devil doing to us, saints? <laughs> Amen. It shall be so. It shall be so. It shall be so. He will turn your shame into glory. Don't feel bad and conflicted when you're saying, God, may you make me a person of renown. It's his will for you. That's his heart. God wants you to be famous for him. You can see all the extroverts smiling. They're excited. Yes, yes, you've answered my question, Pastor. Pastor, I used to struggle with this prayer because I thought it was my pride. But now you've just released me. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. I will give you renown, Tracy. 
I will give you renown, Tendai, times two. I will give you renown, Jordan. I'll give you renown, Paul, Paul Barnabas also. I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. You'll see it. Number 11, we are called to honor our parents. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord our God gives you. There are a number of ways you can prolong your life. Health and fitness, obviously, what you put into your mouth. My kids wanted to go to Burger King the other uh, yesterday, so I took them there after their soccer. Okay, uh, they wanted to go there because of the bottomless. I know some of you don't look at me, don't judge, don't judge, <laughs> because of the bottomless um, fizzy drinks there. But I was impressed with them because they've also got sp- sparkling water. And one of my sons says, "Dad, why don't you actually change cups and then put, you know, like." Uh, something for mom and you can take her some sparkling water. But I didn't know if that was allowed. Okay. And I guess I also wanted to have another drink. But anyway. But I said to them, guys, look at all the people here in this particular place. What's the common denominator? Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm being honest. These are the conversations we have. Because Samuel was saying, this is my favorite restaurant, a Burger King. And then I put the mayo. This is what I did when I came here for a date with mom. Put all the mayo, extra mayo, and so on. I said, guys, what's, what's the common denominator? If you look at all the people seated here. And my kids said, they're, from, they, they're, either, they're from middle to fat. Middle to fat. Middle <laughs> upwards. And I said to them, that's how you will become if you always come here. I'm just being honest. So there's the practical stuff we have to do in terms of our health, all right? But there are a lot of spiritual principles that will prolong your life. And one of them in scripture is honor your parents. How many of you are blessed to still have both parents alive right now? How many of you are blessed to still have at least one parent alive now? Okay? Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you, there are many people whose parents have passed on. So they can't honor them right now. They, they can't do too much. And hopefully they're not doing ancestral worship, okay? So, <laughs> I want to encourage you. Keep looking for ways creatively to honor your parents. Amen? I'll unpack it further next week when I talk about the different ways in which we can honor people and the different people we're supposed to honor. But find ways of honoring them. Keep asking God for creative ways. Number 12, marriage must be honored by all. One of my favorite topics. Help me. Marriage must be honored by all. Not just by married people. Marriage must be honored by all. And we live in a society today where the institution of marriage is not being honored i just done a workshop at one of the business schools and people were talking afterwards and they were saying, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I don't mind. Yeah, no, because it's just a paper. It's just a paper. Yeah, no, people should just live together and so on because it's just a paper. It's just a legal thing, just a paper and so on. Now, these are people I get along with. I was connecting with them. I just finished my work, my, my seminar. And I said, I, agree, I disagree with all three of you. And I knew the Lord wanted me to challenge them. I said to them, go and look at the stats. Do you know that the divorce rate goes up by 33% with people who've lived together first before getting married? 
Do you know that? And yet the world's wisdom is, I know we need to test drive this thing, so we're just going to live together first, and then we'll see. And then they get married, and they still live those independent lives and that kind of thing and so on. 33% higher divorce when you first lived together. And now it's become the norm, isn't it? It's become the norm. And everyone celebrates, ah, yeah, because we, we're moving in with each other. <laughs> and everyone is giving you presents, giving you things. And then if you look at the stats, 33% higher, the divorce rate. I'm hoping people are listening to this even by way of the internet. I'm not ashamed of what I'm saying. Amen? Okay? Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all. So single people, honor the institution of marriage. Stop fornicating. When you fornicate, you dishonor marriage. Because you're basically saying, I can experience the same benefits without the same level of commitment. Amen? That's what fornication is. Fornication is a sign of dishonoring the institution of marriage. What is fornication? Having sex with someone who is not your wife. What is adultery? Adultery is a married person sleeping with someone who is not their wife. Amen? Honor is not limited to people, but certain institutions such as marriage. We need to honor the institution of marriage. We need to honor the institution of church. The institutions we're supposed to honor. We must honor other people's marriages. What's a sign of honoring someone else's marriage? It's when, for example, I was in, I was out of the country for a couple of days this week, right? The people who hosted me, the conference that I was doing, they communicated, they said, can we have Pastor Tracy's number? And they communicated to her and said, thank you for releasing your husband that we could have. It's, it's a sign of honoring my marriage. When someone phones me after hours, Someone phones me at 7 p.m. And they say, I know this is family time. I know you guys are probably having your time together and so on. I don't want to intrude, but I'll just speak to you just for two quick minutes. They're showing that they honor that I'm a family man. They're honoring my marriage. If someone now just, yeah, can we see you? 10 p.m., yeah. Well, I'm not a bachelor. Amen? And it's the same. And it doesn't matter how senior you are. I must demonstrate that I honor your time together. Amen? So we must honor the institution of marriage. Finally, number 13, be careful of misplaced honor. Proverbs 26 verse 8. I mean, if you know that there's certain people who shouldn't be honored. There's a basic level honor we should give them because they're another human being. But we make the mistake when we start giving them double honor. Amen? You know who those people are. Fools. Proverbs 26 verse 8. Like one who binds a stone in a sling, so is he who gives honor to a fool. Do you have any fools around you that you interact with? Don't give them honor. Proverbs 26 verse 1. Like snow in summer. <laughs> These proverbs can be quite funny. Like snow in summer and like rain in harvest. In other words, something that's just not fitting. 
So honor is not fitting for a fool. We've given double honor to fools. And we must stop doing so. Amen. Let's pray. Maybe you are here this morning and you've heard this message and in your heart you want to make a commitment to creating this culture of honor. To honor one another. To honor the Lord. To give double honor to those who are supposed to get double honor. You say you want to be a part of this. Just stand where you are and we'll pray as a congregation. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. Where I have not given honor, where honor is due. Forgive me for not honoring you through excellence. Forgive me where I have not given double honor to my pastors and elders. I repent of these sins. I turn from that way. And I choose to create a culture of honor. I choose to honor my brothers and sisters. Forgive me for where I have dishonored the institution of marriage. Through lust. Through fornication. Through adultery, I renounce that way of thinking and I choose to honor the institution of marriage. In Jesus' mighty name. God, may I honor you not with my lips only, but may I honor you from my heart. I thank you, Lord, that you will honor me that I will be a person of renown for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.